Hi everyone, we're back and this is the official first episode of the Political Tea Podcast. I'm Aaron. And I'm Josh. And we're your host. So, um, yeah, today we're going to get into some political topics and that's it. <laughs> we're going we're to hear it. So, um... <clears throat> This usually we will have a, an array of political topics on the show, but because the Supreme Court has had like 20 trillion different decisions, um, just because it needs all to be different political topics, even though they're literally about the same fucking thing, which is the Supreme Court of the United States. So we are going to talk first about their affirmative action decision that they made. Then we're going to talk about, um, uh, oh shit, what was the other decisions? Um, the I'm trying to pull them up. Oh, the this is affirmative action. Uh-huh. Um student loan debt. Student loan debt and then the website designer LGBT decision as well. So we'll talk about those. So without further ado, Josh. Yes. Let's get into some political tea. Shall we? Okay, so we let's let's provide some context that all of this really started with um, this uh, man named Stephen, not Stephen Blum, I'm sorry. His name is, that's a voice actor. Um, <laughs> there's actually a voice actor who voices Wolverine from the X-Men. Um, Screaming. Oh my God. What is the uh, a man who is like, I posted on your fa- on your Facebook when I commented. I, I, I'm also back on Facebook now, Josh. Just so you know. I was noticing. Mm-hmm. I'm back. I was like, but this is curious. <laughs> okay. So the Supreme Court case was called Students for Fair Admissions versus Harvard. Um, and the court essentially upheld uh, that race-based affirmative action programs and college admission, admission processes violate the equal protection clause of the 14th Amendment. Um, and so this case... Oh, it was Edward Blum. So according to, this is all from Wikipedia. Um, the case involved Harvard University's undergraduate admissions process, Students for Fair Admission, which is an organization by that conservative legal strategist named Edward Blum, not Stephen Steve Blum, um, who represented a group of anonymous Asian Americans who were rejected from Harvard University. Um, and essentially they have said that because of affirmative action, this is why they did not get into uh, Harvard University and that essentially black people took their spots um, and so the Supreme Court said pretty much like boom affirmative action is unconstitutional and so you cannot consider race in terms of your admission uh, processes but you can take into consideration the Supreme Court did say that you, well you cannot consider race um in your admission processes, you can consider people's lived experiences in their college essays. So Josh, after you saw the Supreme Court ruling about affirmative action, how did you feel? I feel like the whole platform of it is gaslighting. They're taking, like the whole premise of it is like supposedly it is racist to give assistance to other racial and minority groups who do not have access to the same resources or pathways to get into these universities 
because someone's not bending over backwards for white people when in reality, the system's already doing that. And the whole experience makes me feel gaslighted. And anytime I'm in the, like, a public discussion about it, it's just gaslighting the whole way through. It's like, you're just racist. And I'm like, when was the last time you went to a college that wasn't 70 or above percent white people? Tell me what Nobel Prize white person is not making it into fucking college. It, it, the whole experience is almost overwhelming. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> it's, the right is just hijacking terminology, concepts, and experiences that non-majority people experience to literally gate us. And I'm like, it, it, and this Supreme Court decision is just a legal form of that. Now there's true equality. Is there, Susan? Is there? Well, I like, <clears throat> there there are like research studies and there's data to support like when California California banned quote race conscious affirmative action policies. Um, and like when we were born in like 96 and um, there have been some other states who have also like banned like affirmative action. And some of these universities have put out reports saying that it has made them extremely harder to achieve like diversity on their campuses, especially for like black and indigenous students. So, mm -hmm. I mean, we're just going to like follow suit with what has happened historically when you ban affirmative action, which is that like you know, you have less diversity, racial racial diversity, and then you, I mean, it's gonna be harder to like to to do that. Um, and so I mean, how do you feel about the fact that like this man, not Scott, I keep wanting to say Steve Blum, Edward Blum has this organization, this movement where he got all these like Asian kids who were upset about not getting into Harvard, saying that black kids stole their spots to like put forth this like Supreme Court. <clears throat> well, first of all, um, so the thing that's insulting just in general, cause they give context. Um, in the general discourse from these groups of people, what I hear, they say that black kids are stealing people's spots that are deserved to them. But then, but the, the, so the irony about that, it implies that we, are inherently not deserving of those spots. That we just couldn't possibly be intelligent enough for them. Mm -hmm. Or we hadn't worked hard enough for them. And then, what's ironic is those same people will get mad if you said that a black student couldn't make it to that college with of care. Because they're saying, are you saying they're not able to get in there on their own? Are you denying their like ability? I'm like, no, Susan, one, first, you said we didn't have the ability Two, we're talking about the economics of the situation. But, like, in that situation, it it frustrates me because I'm like, do y'all really believe us Black people are so fucking stupid that we don't deserve these spots? And also, how are we stealing spots? Like, if we are both equally good, more than likely we'll both get in. Like, have you taken into consideration that maybe you did not work hard enough? And also, it feels disgusting 
that they're pitting two minorities against each other. And that's all this is. Literally just pitting minorities against each other to validate the white person's stance. Yeah, I agree. <clears throat> I think there's so much like nuance to to dissect this 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 like racial lies like thing that is happening. One, um I think that this that they decided to like it's it's smart. It's a smart tactic to to do this because you get people like there is going to be anti-blackness in all facets of like society among all races and ethnicities. It's just like like anti-blackness is everywhere. And so I think what this is my theory is that this man, because like we have been trying, and by we I mean like conservatives have been trying to like overturn affirmative action for a long time saying that it was like you know like oh the white kids are not like getting their spots and black kids and whatever are taking their spots and I feel like the movement was not as maybe like um mainstream or like prominent uh, uh, enough as it as it was as it, as it should have been for a bunch of people to like take it into account but now that we have this whole movement that's like anti-dei and they got a whole fucking different racial community to be involved in this in addition to white people to say mm -hmm. oh, it's, not, it's not racist because these are like students of color who are saying this like these are like these are students of color these are brown students who are saying i don't want affirmative action to be this thing and obviously i think the uh model minority plays into a context with this because white people are the ones who have created this concept about what they deem a uh Asian American should be in America. And I think that plays into it. But also just from like a like an education standpoint, and you can speak to this too, like as as we both apply to college, um, the thing is that like right now in America, so here's the thing. To get Harvard, I don't even know what their acceptance rate is, but I'm gonna say it's less than five percent is their acceptance rate. Let's just let's I don't even know what it is. I could Google it right it's, now. It's pretty fucking low. Let's, let's just Google Harvard University acceptance rate. Let's just see. Ah, four percent from 2021. Okay, so that's their acceptance rate, right? So that means that you have to be the best to even qualify. You have to have you. You can't even have a 4.0 GPA right now because people who take AP classes, they, they get GPAs that are higher than 4.0s. So you have to you have to be better than a 4.0 GPA right now to get into Harvard. And then like you have to take all these classes. You have to make all A's. And if that is the standard for just to like be even considered for Harvard. And you have to like have some extracurricular activities. Like I saw some woman who was like, she was like an admissions counselor. And she was like, at the end of the day, the thing that we they need to realize is that is that um these students who for some for a lot of the re for a lot of them the reason was based inside this like racist notion of the model minority is that they had to do math science math science be a good student and like you know study 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 and that when everybody is going to be at a 4.0 or higher we like we're not using grades to determine who to get in we're not determining like your extra career. If everyone's like, I did speech and speech and debate for four years. I did fucking like rowing for four years, whatever. Or I like like we're not determining and like athletics. It becomes a pageant. Athletics like becomes a whole different thing. So if you can't even, you're not you know determining based on grades because everyone has to have the same grades right now. Um, then the only other thing to consider is like maybe like you know um, 
your personal lived experience, if you will, your essay. And for a lot of these students who go to Harvard, if you write in your essay, like, oh, I spend time, most of my time studying, like, then like, who, okay, that's what's, what's unique, what's different about you, what is going to set you apart. And what's funny to me, and I, I'll see if I can find this clip, is the is one of the, I think his name is Calvin, I don't remember his last name, but he's one of the leading kind of like spokespersons for um for this organization, the Fair Students Organization led by Edward Blum. And he had a press conference and he was saying, <laughs> he gave a press conference and he, people were dissecting his speech. And they were like, if this is how you write a speech, then that I can tell your essay is isn't worth shit. So you still not gonna get into these colleges and something else. If anybody is stealing spots at these universities, it's legacy admissions. It's these legacies. They don't even have to work for it. The only students, the only legacy kind of students I I am willing to be like this is okay is. The children of faculty and staff, because it's fucked up for me to be paying thousands of dollars to my employer. Mm -hmm. But other than that, I cannot find any justification for why Billy Joe Kringle is able to come attend this college with a 2.5 GPA with a poor student piss work ethic just because his granddaddy did. 2,000 years prior. Not 2,000. Give two shits. Oh, your mommy and daddy paid money to the university? Well, that was their fucking stupid idea. You don't deserve a spot. <laughs> if I donated my $10, which is a lot more in proportion to the money that y'all have that you gave, I don't suddenly get a pat on the back and three generations of children getting free college. Exactly. It's fucked up. So, um, <clears throat> what what should what do you think? Wh like, what's going to happen with like college? We're going back in time. That's what's happening. And the most frustrating thing in these discourse, I I, I want to think there's something that we can do. But the way it feels in this discourse. The Republicans have actively hijacked it to the point where their their obliviousness and their chosen ignorance just stops any work that we can do at this point. Affirmative care or affirmative action, not affirmative care. Affirmative action was just a step in the door towards the rest of us working to make the system more equal. They took that one step. Now there's like almost nothing we can do because the reality is affirmative action didn't fix the problem. It remedied a symptom of it. We needed things to be more systemically fixed. Because, like, in these conversations, these people are like, well, why don't y'all just work your way there like the rest of us? And I'm like, we are. But look at these obstacles that we have that you don't naturally have. And they just, like, you mention it, and they just act like it didn't exist. Well, that's like, what... everything you just... And I'm like, you can't just choose to believe or not what we are experiencing. It exists, but... They are. And if the people in control are gaslighting this that like that on such a cultural level, Aaron, it does not feel like there's anything we can do because the people who do have power, <clears throat> Biden, are not doing anything 
to stop the abuse. They just give us flowery words and say, we will work to protect the people. And I'm like, bullshit, you've been saying that for five decades. Well, is like, okay, so this is what I saw, like, in the, in the, um, the, I don't even know what to call it, the report that the, the, I think it was the chief justice who gave, when they made this decision, he was like, you know, affirmative action was a thing where, like, there were racial, like, disparities or, you know, injustices in education, but we, that is no longer a thing. And then Mike Pence, when he was being interviewed, he also said, he was like, I don't think that there are any more, like, racial injustices or disparities inside of education, which is why we don't need affirmative action anymore, because Black kids can go to school now. They can get into school, so we don't need to have affirmative action anymore. So, like, do you think, it, like, I feel like for some it is gaslighting, or do you think they, like, do you think they truly believe that? That they just, like, oh, I, I just don't think that they're really, this is, this is not me trying to trick you. I just truly don't believe that there's racism inside of education anymore. So, I'm going to tell you, and th this is why pe people are like, Joshua, why are you so negative? And it's because I'm raised, it's because I'm a black person that was raised by white people. And I know when a fight is useless. And in this case, this is one of those useless spots. White people get a pre-assumption notion in their head. And this is not all white people, but this is mostly white people who are in control. Any white person that has authority. And in this case, like Mike Pence. Um, we have good allied white people like my partner, like our friends, like people in our community. But when it comes to the people who have the money and can make things move, they're, they're not like them. They get this idea that everyone is the same. This simplified history. They gave us some rights and let us go to school. So it is the same. How many decades have we been preaching as the black community to the enlarged American community that the school's and communities that they gave us are underfunded, lacking resources, poor and impoverished, poor conditions both physically and academically. But we get ignored. Yeah. It, so it's like it is it's some form of ignorance, but it is a form of gaslighting. They know it's they know that information is there. But they want to truly believe the pre-notion that is in them. Because that is easier to do. I don't, I, unless we just find the good people in power who do want to listen, which I don't know how many there is, because in at least in the area where we live, it feels like we're swimming with people who'd rather just run around with their own biases and not trust the firsthand experience of people. I just, I don't. I don't see any room to convince them otherwise. I think it's really just rooted in they just don't care. They don't think it's a priority. They want us to fix our problem by ourselves, while also at the same time not giving it an inch further thought past that to the complexity of the issue and how they're involved in it. At least this is just how I've been feeling, mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. And I have I have this bias because I was raised in an all white community, and I know exactly like 
with particularly an all white community in the South with these kind of mindsets. And like, it makes you want to just shut down and give up because there's not a lot of people listening. And even the good ones that are listening don't, it's like beating a nail into wood to try to get past some of their biases. And I'm like, I don't know if our community is big enough to be able to handle that. At least I don't know. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, it does feel very this hope- is daunting, hopeless to like do that anything can be done, especially like and and we can get this can transition into the fucking student debt conversation, which is that like uh, with all this shit coming out, it just feels like the Democrats, they 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 don't do anything. They are spineless. They're cowards. They are performative. They don't do anything besides talk, talk, talk and ask us to vote and vote and vote. And then like when we get to a point now where a lot of people, we are like exhausted from socioeconomic oppression. And we're like, you keep asking me to vote, vote, vote. And nothing is happening. I'm voting and everything is getting worse. And like I saw um, a TikTok from Crutches and Spice and she was like, y'all keep, the Democrats keep asking us to vote and vote and we need to vote more. And then we think about the fact that Hillary won 3 million more votes of the uh, popular vote. Okay, so more people are supporting progressive policies than conservative. So what like what else can we do like we like we y'all don't want to get rid y'all like y'all don't want to do anything y'all don't don't want to get rid of the things that are hurting us to allow our vote to actually matter i'm like okay maybe like get rid of the electoral college get rid of the filibuster get rid of you know like i just feel like nothing is like i i feel like they just want to just uh just do campaigns like that's all that's all they care about is campaigning and making empty promises like joe biden literally ran on this campaign that he was going to cancel fifty thousand dollars of student loan debt and then he didn't and i'm supposed to just be like okay yeah that's fine vote i'll I'll still vote for you (laughs) but but then but then if i critique y'all asses saying like well why should i vote for you when i voted for you these last five ten times and y'all ain't do shit and the always answer is would well, you want trump do you want DeSantis? do you want uh mike pence do you want the do you want the republicans to be in office and i'm like y'all have the presidency y'all had the senate y'all had the house what else do you want from me because like literally people you know one of the arguments is like it was a breach of executive offices place okay maybe it was why is biden not talking to the house and to the senate he has that power why why is there not this cross communication to get them to get the fucking laws changed then i can tell you why why what's happening he he does not he's and this is what he said when when he came into office was that when people were asking him to like do these executive orders and shit he does not want to be a president who 
oversteps his boundaries into like the legislative branch. He wants to only focus on the executive branch. He's like, that's not my place. I'm not over there. I'm an executive, not the legislative. So I'm not going to like interfere. I want to be a president who works down the aisle on both sides. I'm not going to like bully someone into passing something. Stuff like that. He literally just said that he ain't going to do shit. Exactly. Like our government only works if there is synergy between the House, the judiciary, I mean, between the executive, the judiciary, and legislative branches. They cannot operate as three separate entities with no common goal. This isn't this, this isn't the UPS, the McDonald's, and the Walmart sitting down the street and they're just conveniently part of some economic commerce. Like these things are connected, and that is so fucking frustrating. Because when they do that, that means we have to fight three different wars. And that's what it feels like. We're fighting three different culture wars with the legislative branch, with the executive branch, and the judicial branch. We're not even fighting one government. We're fighting three. Three separate entities that are making a complex, hot mess. What what do you think we should do about the Supreme Court? Some people say we need to pack the court, expand the court, abolish the court. What do you think we should do with the Supreme Court? We can't abolish it. Like the judicial branch has had very valid, a valid place within our governmental system, but it needs to be treated. I don't want to say sacred because I don't like that sense of nationalism. It needs to be treated with a higher level of respect than it is when it comes to appointing people to it. And I don't, and like, I feel like when it comes to like the judicial branch, it shouldn't be political in the sense of right or left and that is not the job of the lawmakers and that they should be well informed of multiple frameworks and theories of how to interpret the law but also like in general uh, like their their whole purpose is to understand the law and its impact on the whole society and the special groups that coexist within that society and the law should be structured and judged on in a way where People are all if all groups are being protected, and mm-hmm. they're they're not. And I don't know if expanding the court will really do anything because it's not addressing the court issue here. We have politicized our judicial court, and now they're now it's another fighting ground for the political parties to have their common like their own personal agendas to be in conflict over. I'm like, this was the one place that should not be happening. Because now I don't know what is and isn't safe. Like, yes, do I want more more left interpretations on law? Yes. But, like, I don't want it to be in a way where we are, like, harming another group. But we need to find a way to establish balance and safety for all groups to coexist without removing resources and prosperity from any of them. And if that's not the common goal there, then we're fucking screwed and it's not. And it's... And the fact that we have a president that is currently under, who is currently under investigation, stacked that whole house with people where I'm like, are we even like really evaluating their true credential and worthiness of having those positions? You know what I mean? I, I just, uh, I don't know. The, the judicial court is, seems like a whole hot mess that I, I'm not well informed enough to know how to even reverse what we've done with it. Uh-huh. But I do know, I do know that some of the recent legislative, uh, recent judicial decisions 
I do believe are in breach of what should have been constitutionally happening, which I know we'll get to later about the whole dealing with um, LGBT rights and the rights of private places to deny services and to discriminate. Um, that was an overreach in like two different directions, one in the, in the lane of bigotry and discrimination, another lane of you did it based on a hypothetical instead of an actual issue, because we've already addressed a real-life issue, which was making the cake that was already decided by a lower court, and it had its parameters. Why are we, why are we trying to expand it any further? Oh, sorry, I'm ranting. I've had a lot of anger, and Aaron. I've had a lot of anger the past several weeks. Yeah, we definitely will get into the LGBT because I got I got something to say to the uh, uh, Coon Central of the court. Um, Period. I I I I'm assuming this is a safe place. Um, I I have a bit, I have a bit. I I guess you could call it more radical take on the Supreme Court. Um, as someone who identifies as an abolitionist and a communist, um, and I I provide exposition to that because um, one of one of the tools that uh, in the prison industrial complex that is used um, by uh, that is used by different interests from governments and industries. And that is empowered by racism and xenophobia, misogyny, homophobia, transphobia. Mm -hmm. Um, is a, a court. Though those are one of the things that is inside of the prison industrial complex. Courts are, in addition to prisons, mm -hmm. police, the military, etc. All of that shit. It's part of our criminal justice system, which is obviously built on white supremacy. So mm -hmm. for me. Um, am I pro-abolishing the court? Yes. Obviously, does that mean get rid of the court and, like, do nothing else? No, it means something else differently. But I would say that the Supreme Court, what I heard you say about, like, it it being politicized, I feel like, um, I, I don't think that, I think that just by the nature of just, like, laws and policies in general... Mm -hmm. That uh, um, they can obviously be like rhetorically politicized and used to like do other things, but I think by their very nature, they are political, and that they, as much as these conservatives like to say that they're like neutral and apolitical when they're deciding these decisions, it's just not, not. it's not possible. And I mean, for me, if we're deciding on like laws and policies and uh, deciding with the constitutionality of things and things if they're like just, I don't think that you can approach that from a neutral standpoint. And I I mean, I prefer if we're going to think about how, you know, just like if like situations that are that we would normally classify in terms of like civil and criminal. Um, and for the most part, it's it's all civil. Um, is that like, how are we ad addressing these things? It needs to come from like an anti-racist perspective. It needs to come from an abolitionist perspective. And for me, I just 
the way that we have the Supreme Court set up, it's just not feasible for us to live in a society that is anti-racist and that is like socially, politically just with it being there. Mm -hmm. It is it is causing, it is a tool of white supremacy. It uses, it is used to oppress people. And that is just like the fact that at the end of the day, and I know people say that we should have like a two healthy parties and that the Supreme Court should be like, you know, like half of it should be, I think, what are there, like seven people with like three should be conservative and three should be like left leaning. And then like there should be one like person who's like in the middle ground to be like the the deciding vote or whatever like that that is deemed like a healthy court for some people but i'm just thinking to myself like i know that conservative policies are not just so i don't think mm -hmm. that and they so, shouldn't be tolerated even in this space's discussion oh no. and so i i only think that progressive policies and people who have an anti-racist frame of mind and deciding what what is constitutional and what is just in terms of laws and policies it should be someone who is progressive because a conservative ideology is just inherently oppressive so mm -hmm. in, in that aspect i'm like get rid of the courts yes because they're a tool in the prison industrial complex that is used to oppress people and the results are not going to be oh here is you know like good things that can happen they they are things that are the results usually target specific demographics that are already silenced and marginalized, and they end up just having with like negative results. There are a few things that have happened with the Supreme Court that are that are are good that have happened, but at the same time, those things can exist if we if, if you can do one, you can do the other. If we can restructure society and we can to have those kinds of uh, ideas and values without a Supreme Court, we don't need to have a Supreme Court to do that. We don't need to have seven people tell us, you know what? Black people should have rights. We don't need we don't need a we don't need a panel of seven people to tell us that. So valid. Uh, yeah. So that yeah. And I it think should be inherent. But I guess like to better define what I meant by politicized, it's not necessarily within the nature of conservative and liberal or progressive. It's within the nature of Democrat and Republican, if that makes sense. It's mm -hmm. just another battlefield for these two organizations to pit our country against each other so they can gain whatever money, capital, and prestige that they're getting from this whole war they're forcing upon, like, the average Americans. Mm -hmm. And this is more so talking about, like, moderate Dems and then the whole Republican Party. Because it's very clear that the progressive leftist Dems they're they're like we don't want to participate in this war anymore there are casualties on a societal level happening because of this stupid war you're deciding to have it's and i'm i'm like the like and like i agree with you the, i can see where like especially criminal court um i i kind of like viewed in my mind like civil court as something separate from the criminal court if that makes sense um, but the nature of the law and what's being dealt is very different. Um, but I can see what you meant about like abolishing it. Well, I it's just, just like, like, even if it was to exist, like this battle should not be happening here. And like the, cause like, I guess like a sea civil court and what its potential could be, which I guess is where you're leaning towards like abolishing it and, and recreating something. It's kind of like, 
the ground in which the average citizen's interest in um, rights are not necessarily being tested or but are being implemented and like as a community investigated on to ensure if that makes sense or at least that's what it should have been instead of whatever the hell is happening right now I don't know if I'm making sense it's hard to put into words what how how my brain was like perceiving it I'm I'm just saying that it 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 is an institution of white supremacy, and so I don't think that things that are founded on white supremacy can be reformed. I think that we can dismantle it and build something new and better that works. But I don't mm-hmm. any like how like reform would be like what like oh we introduce term limits, so then we have people who make decisions that oppress people in five years instead of a lifetime, and so I mean. <laughs> it, I don't like I don't like there's like I don't think there is any kind of way it's to kind of like reform how it. about we shorten slavery instead of 400 years we did it in 150 it's like is that any better it's just it's not going to systemically change anything so I mean I like it I just changed I, the battle play so yeah um, so let's get into the LGBT decision. Oh, Lord. Ooh, I got something to say. So um, let's let me find the Supreme Court case so I can uh, uh, give the listeners some context about what what this was. It was. Um, oh, Jesus Christ. Uh I'm trying to find it. Um, creative, L- I think it was Creative LLC versus um, Elena's. Um, yes, no, it was uh, 303 Creative LLC v. Elena's, um, which is a Supreme Court decision that dealt with the intersection of anti-discrimination law and public accommodations with the free speech clause of the First Amendment of the Constitution. In a 6-3 decision, the court found a web for a web designer ruling that the state of Colorado cannot compel designer to create work that violates their values. So in California, not California, sorry, in Colorado, um, they had a the court decision in 2018, which uh, uh, essentially said that you cannot discriminate uh uh, on people based on like them being LGBT. And so um this woman who is a website designer, her name is Lori Smith, um, she wanted to move into making wedding announcements for her website. Um and so there was no no one this is no there there's no real fucking like LGBT person who asked her to, to make a design. That's the first thing. Like, there was no actual LGBT couple. She just, when she decided, like, oh, I'm going to start making, like, wedding announcements for my website design. She said, I think I might be, uh, it, it would it would be against, she said it would be against her Christian faith to, like, make wedding websites for announcement websites for same-sex couples. Um, and so she wanted to post a notice on her business website to tell people that she would not be creating um, websites for same-sex marriages. Um, And she would instead refer gay patrons to other potential designers who may provide services for them. 
Um, but before she decided to even post that notice on her website, she found that Colorado's anti-discrimination law um, would might uh, be seen as discriminating against gay people. Um, and so she was represented by the Alliance Defending Freedom, and they sued the district uh, court for the District of Colorado to essentially be like, this is a violation of free speech, essentially. So there's no real actual couple. There's no real person who asked, no person actually asked this bitch, can you make me an LGBT wedding announcement? She just said, I don't want to serve gay people, so I'm going to put it on my website. Oh, but actually there's an anti-discrimination law, so that means I'm going to be like, sued if I decide to do that and be accused of discrimination so I need the court to be like no that's not discrimination so that's essentially what happened and it went up from you know district courts all the way up to the supreme court and they found that you know it they ruled in favor of Lori Smith um uh essentially and uh Justice Gorsuch stated um, that while public accommodation laws are not per se unconstitutional, since they are innumerable goods and services that no one could argue implicate the First Amendment, a business person cannot be compelled to create a work of art which goes against their values and which they would not produce for any client. Um, so, yeah. Justice Elena Kagan, Katanji Brown-Jackson, and Sonia Sotmeyer were the people who were the dissenters of the decision. So Josh, how do you feel about this court case? I feel like it was completely pointless, had no point in being made. But Josh, you didn't want like, to say people. Like, is it any of her business to ask, like, who's it for, what for, and the values of the people who are asking for the... That's like going... That's like me working in a fucking grocery store. Or, no, let me do it better. I'm a local artist who makes ceramics. <laughs> and me, and I see these two men walk up and ask me that they love the ceramic bowl I made and they want to purchase it. And then me go out of my fucking way to find out why, who they are, why they together, what they're doing together, what what event, occasion, or place they're going to place it. That's none of my damn business. It's none of my damn business. Well, it's not. It's so. It's so. Her thing is, is that, and this is what I think they they argue with the cake person too. Is this what they always argue? I'm not discriminating against the person who is gay because I will serve a gay person. I just won't serve that specific scenario if it involves a same sex wedding. So, like, if a gay person said came in and said, "Hey, I want a website for my business." that is like for tutoring, that's fine. But if you come in and say, I want a website for my gay wedding, that's different. So she, this is how they got around it about it not being discrimination essentially, is that you're not discriminating against gay people because you will serve gay people. You just won't do the wedding announcement because it goes against your faith. It's a, it's a idea. And it's like, why would you force someone to support an idea that you don't support? I don't agree with you. That's the argument. I'm not, bitch, it's a business. Why do you feel like this is you supporting it? Why do you feel like, wh how is that equal to supporting it? You're just making money, bitch. You're just making money. 
well, they, you know, they got to use the, well, how would you feel if a person came and they said, make a website to a black person who owns a website business? I want you to make me a Nazi website. That's different. That's actual bigotry that like Nazis are aimed to hurt people. How's my wedding going to hurt you? Because it goes against her faith. I don't remember anywhere in the Bible saying you can't make a fucking wedding invitation for two gay men. God told her. Prove that shit in court. You gonna put God on the stand? <laughs> I'd love to hear from his ass. Yeah, I got some big questions why he let the fucking Holocaust happen. This oh girl. Ooh, 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 ooh. I got even better question why the hell he let slavery happen. I love black people so much where the fuck he at? That was the devil, not God. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. I, you, you, Clarence Thomas, and he's, and you know what? In this decision, he also brought up the fact, I think we need to revisit the 2015 marriage uh, equality, you know, uh, court case. This coon-ass nigga, this snow bunny, mayo, musket, rat-loving motherfucker, I, he is he wins the coon of the year award i don't understand what this man he why he says he doesn't understand diversity when his ass was born before fucking he was born in jim crow probably went to a mm -hmm. fucking segregated school don't understand you're literally in an interracial relationship but you don't understand fucking diversity okay that makes fucking sense when it was literally a fucking supreme court case literally allowing your black ass to fucking marry this fucking male fucking rat who's a fucking QAnon and fucking nazi supporter but let's not even talk about that let's not even talk about that first of all because you have a you you can you can go back and erase marriage equality you can erase gay marriage same-sex marriage but then you don't want to talk about no fucking interracial fucking marriage. But that that's okay for you. Even though the same motherfucking white people who was literally fucking cracker whipping your white, your fucking black ancestors ass. Not allowing you, using the fucking Bible to fucking say that you cannot get married with this fucking white woman. And you're using that same fucking shit. But you got a fucking law degree. You went to fucking law school. So you understand the fucking law. I hope... I want you to know, Clarence Thomas, hell ain't hot enough for your race trading ass. It's not hot enough. You don't even deserve hell. You are absolutely right. <laughs> I can't. I can't, Aaron. I can't. Fucking monkey. Ooh. Oh. The Tom Coonery. It's just... I I'm just sitting here thinking, like, does does he really think he's going to be absolved from any of the consequences of these choices? Yes. And I hope, I said this on Instagram, I hope all that white ass you be kissing and licking in the fucking politics actually serve. I hope, you, I hope in the end it serves you well. Ooh. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's it's so insulting. To and why why are we treating diversity like it's an attack on the American people? Because we don't, they don't think we live in a racist society anymore. They willing to listen to everybody but the victims. White people out here really, really think. Some white people got to get pedantic with it because I know some of y'all gonna get mad. 
You know what? It may not be always. It may not always. It may not be all white people, but it's always a white person. Period. I'm like, how else am I supposed to? How should I word this? There's a commonality, and it's not just a fucking correlation. But I don't even remember what I was about to say. Oh, but like. I just don't see why, and it goes back to like the whole Mike Pence thing. I don't see why it is a white person's or a straight person's business to determine whether or not oppression is or isn't occurring. I I just don't, I don't know what, like, where you get off with that. I don't know where you feel like you're validated to make that choice for us. And it's like I've said before, y'all don't own us anymore. Stop acting like you do. And that's what it's giving. It's giving plantation master deciding when, where, and how. And it rubbing me wrong in every way it possibly can, Aaron. It rubbing me wrong bad. Yeah, same. Um, so we're out of time. Um I'm out of time. <laughs> my pussy thing. My booty hole burnt. Okay. Um, we, we're reclaiming our time. We're out of time for the Political Tea Podcast. But uh, Josh will be around. Josh is back in Black Reproduction. So you'll see Josh in uh, either Black Brew, uh, the main show, or you'll see him, or not see him, you'll hear him in <laughs> uh, the Political Tea Podcast. And mm-hmm. if he decides, maybe you might hear him and gossip for you and see him because it's a live streaming show. Um, so yeah. In fact, I think gossip for you, we might be discussing Miranda Sings. Let's do that for gossip for you, actually. Oh, please. Uh, fucking groomer. That's a fucking groomer. <laughs> Not my goddamn gay ass. Oh my god, because I would love to get a bunch of millennials on to talk about Miranda Sings because it is <sighs> insane. But um, yeah, we'll see you next time. Goodbye. Bye. The Political Tea Podcast is a Black Brew production.